Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, the latest on shares, markets and investments, now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. Uh, before we get into the podcast today, I'd just like to say a big thank you to everybody that attended the UK Investor Magazine Metals and Mining Virtual Conference this week. Uh, for anybody that didn't catch it, the videos of the investor presentations from the three companies will be available on the UK Investor Magazine video section very shortly. So do check that out if you did miss the presentation last night. Uh, so for today's podcast, we're going to be discussing a number of UK equities and key themes in markets. And to do that, once more, we have with us Alan Green. Alan, thanks for being with us today. Hello, John. Good to be back. So, Alan, we have a number of equities, as usual, that we're going to be discussing. Some of them are going to be updates on companies we've discussed before. Uh, and some of those are going to be major FTSE 100 companies with some very good results that we're going to be covering. But, Alan, as always, we always like to look at what's been happening in markets. If we're looking at the the FTSE 100, you know, taking away any, any news that's going on at the moment, the actual price action of the FTSE 100 hasn't been uh, particularly volatile. But if you're looking at the headlines from uh, news outlets, of course, it's very hard to get away from the situation that we touched on last week and what's going on with, with Russia and Ukraine. We've obviously seen uh, Russia ordering troops into the eastern regions of, of Ukraine. We, see, we saw a bit of volatility yesterday that we've uh, reversed. We're not going to go into too much detail in, into what's what's happening there, but more look at the bigger picture quickly, Alan, here. Before the podcast, we, we were obviously discussing uh, you know, the podcast and you know what we've been talking about so far this year up until the last few weeks, and that's of course been you know central banks and you know inflation, which which seems to be sort of slipping into the background at the moment as uh, the Russia situation is really taking uh, centre stage. But of course, you know it, it's not a situation that's going to go away, uh, Alan. So you know th- this is something that, that I'm sure people will be wondering. You know when we start to see, you know maybe this news on Russia starting to quieten down, um, you know. Is what's happening there going to have any major impact on the thinking of central banks? Because, of course, you know, when we were speaking a few weeks ago, we had uh, the the US looking at potentially some analysts are saying seven interest rate hikes uh, so far this year. And of course, we've had one already from the Bank of England, and they probably look set to to raise rates further. I mean, what's happening in in Russia, Ukraine? Does that have any bearing on thinking of central bankers, Alan? Do you feel? Well, I, I, I think I think it, uh, obviously it has to because because it's all part of the macro picture. But um, I think what is remarkable this morning, um, you know, given the given the uh, you know the the huge seismic development yesterday, where basically the tanks rolled into east, um, um, into eastern Ukraine, admittedly territories that um, that are very pro-Russian, but nonetheless. Um, of course, the Germans uh, kept their kept stuck to their guns, and um, <laughs> excuse the pun. Um, but the Germans, uh, the Germans did what they said they were going to do, and they've they've um, they've not pr- uh, pushed ahead with the Nord Stream two pipeline. So, of course, that's going to damage Russia economically with um, with uh, 
with with all the sanctions that are now are now being imposed on Putin. I mean, he really is like um, he really really is a, a, a sort of a twentieth century dictator, you know, um, in in every sense, isn't he? You know, he's looking like a cross between Saddam Hussein and Stalin in, in some ways. But um, but but uh, the fact is that he's surrounded by these old generals who have a nineteen forties mindset, and of course. Um, uh, he's becoming increasingly isolated, I think, from what the Russian people actually want. Nonetheless, the the situation is where it is. But the markets today are unaffected by it. I mean, the DAX is up higher. The DAX has risen. Obviously, that's the the German stock exchange. So, so the, you know, the, the, they're very. Uh, uh, the, I, I think the markets there are very um, uh, a very sort of. Uh, uh, Set with the uh, or, or, or they're set with the the fact that the invasion is is going to happen. Um, sanctions will go ahead. There will be some economic fallout and damage to the German economy as a result of Nord Stream not going through. But of course, I think the I think for markets um, uh, longer term, and of course for inflation, uh, that we, we could well see um energy prices squeezing higher um and that of course is the challenge that uh, has to be overcome so in t- in regard to uh inflation um moving out of center stage at the moment it will no doubt be back there you know once we know what we're dealing with um however you know the it's a fairly sanguine response this morning and i think um i, I think uh, it, you know the markets in a sense have priced this in either way um and perhaps Putin just wants to grab that little corner of Ukraine so he can have a small personal win back at home because that's all that matters to him. It's all down to him. He makes the decisions. Um, and, uh, of course, for the rest of the world, we have to deal with the fallout. But the but in, in regard to central banks, of course, we've seen um, the assets of some Russian banks in the UK frozen, and that will be repeated across Europe and, of course, in the US. Um, so the sanctions will be biting hard. Um, in regard to uh, any changes in central bank policy, I think I think unless inflation put, starts to push seriously higher on the back of the energy price squeeze, um, I don't expect too much deviation from what they're what they've already uh, said they're going to do. Yes, indeed. Uh, I think what you mentioned there. I think it's all about. Uh, Saving face for both sides now in 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 this debacle. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But you know, going um, forward, as you mentioned there, you know, unless there's a dramatic increase in uh, inflation, uh, you know, of course, we're already running at very high levels, and central banks were saying they were starting to see it or or, or foresee it peaking uh, sort of around April time. You know, unless there's any changes to their forecast, I think those. Rate hikes uh, are still on the cards. I don't think there's going to be any changes there. And to some extent, they're largely priced into markets at the moment. So, you know, as soon as it shifts back, uh, which it will do, and people are talking about interest rate hikes uh, as, as as the main topic in markets, I don't think there's going to be too much in the way of major reaction unless we start to see, you know, a huge move higher in uh, in energy prices that really start to uh, to hurt uh, households and then you know central banks have a real uh, real problem on their hands uh, there, but I don't think that's going to be something that that happens. I think we're going to be able to avoid that with the measures that, as you said, Alan, have already been outlined by central banks. So now let's move on to some more positive news, Alan. So we've got two companies in the FTSE 100 we're going to be 
discussing today, both posting record profits. So let's start, first of all, with Rio Tinto. Alan, what's, uh, what do the figures look like there? Well, Rio Tinto is, um, is as, as uh, one of the brokers said this morning, it's a cash machine. It's a massive cash generator. And of course, this is one of the oldest and largest mining conglomerates in the world. Um, and uh, of course, has direct exposure to uh, commodity prices around the globe, uh, which of course are very strong at the moment. Um, we've seen earnings per share growth of 72% um, and also an 87% hike in the dividend. Um, now, I'm a shareholder in Rio, so it's, um, it's you know, I'm, I'm, I've stuck with the company thick and thin for the past 10, 15 years, and it's always paid a fantastic dividend. Current, the current yield is 8.7%. So, you know, it's an essential part of any, any, port, any uh, portfolio that wants to generate earnings. Um, so cash flow was uh, uh, up 88% to 17, what, well, nearly 18 billion. Um, uh, revenues were up uh, 42%. Um, but although the numbers were slightly behind um, uh, the, uh, the, the city consensus, the, the dividend increase was uh, well ahead of consensus. And of course, um, if a company uh, if a company signals a, a higher dividend payout, that means it must be exceptionally confident about the uh, about the future. Of course, the great thing with a company like Rio is it's got economies of scale. Um, it's such a huge company that uh, that uh, the the access to plant, the access to manpower, um, it, it has are, are almost unlimited. Um, but one of the one of the potential clouds on the horizon is, of course, inflation. Uh, um, and of course, if inflation continues, it will it will push costs high. That's of course power costs to the projects and the and and the the infrastructure projects it's uh, engaged with. Um, but it's investing heavily uh, going forward um, uh, uh, to 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 turn operations um, uh, into clean energy operations uh, and what it refers to as decarbonisation. Um, but uh, Rio has a very low cost production ratio anyway, so it's not expected that will impact too heavily. But of course, if if there are issues with costs going forward, um, that may well have a positive impact on Rio's growth plans because um, as costs rise, Rio will be looking to or uh, or seeking out more profitable uh, uh, commodity projects to to engage with, and that could well could well pay dividends for some of the companies at the, at the small cap end of the sector, such as some of the companies, that, of course, presented on the uh, on the UK Investor Seminar last night, Jonathan. Um, some of those companies could become targets. Their, their projects could be integrated into a large company like Rio with its cost base, with its low production cost, with its uh, huge economies of scale that it can offer. So, um, so that could play very positively into in, into some of the small cap companies around. But nonetheless, going forward, I mean, it's a slam dunk for my portfolio. I will continue to hold Rio shares. The uh, the uh, the dividend payout at eight point seven percent is great, and you know any um, the, the shares recently touched year lows of forty just under forty four pounds a share. Had you picked those up, then you'd now be sitting on fifty six pounds per share, so a decent gain, and an eight point seven percent dividend yield to boot. So a no brainer for me. Yes, I mean the, the the dividend yield that you're looking at is uh, it is astounding. You know if if you sort of look back. You know, over the last ten years, we've obviously seen peaks and troughs in the in the commodity cycles, and certainly in the uh, 
in the last year or so with the hopes of a super cycle. We're seeing a very strong movement up in uh, uh, in the prices of, of mining shares. But Alan, just, just looking here quickly at, at the shares today, bumper results, you know, huge dividend. We're off slightly. I mean, is, is that something to be concerned about or is it more a situation of, you know, you obviously markets, you get to the buy the rumour, sell the facts. We've had the results out. Yes, they were good. Were, were, you know, do you think the market was hoping for more maybe or, you know, a little bit here on, you know, what's going on with this price? It's down, you know, we, you know, strong profits like that. One may expect to see that the shares going through the roof, but, you know, they're, they're off slightly. Is it, you know, I think it's a bit of profit taking and people waiting to see what happens with metal prices. Yeah. Given it, it, that it's such a strong run recently. Yeah, it, it's possibly that, John. But, but, but I think as well, you know, even though those numbers were stellar in, in every sense, um, they were actually behind city expectations. So the city was expecting even better results. So, so the fact has come off slightly today. Um, in, in, you know, that's probably, that's probably, it probably reflects, uh, um, some disappointment, but um, I don't imagine I don't imagine uh, there'll be too many sellers on the back of that. Um, as I say, the dividend yield alone makes these shares worth ho- holding on to, and uh, I, I view any dip in the share price as an opportunity to 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 top up. Indeed, indeed, certainly if you're looking at what's happening with commodity prices and and some of the the moves that Rio Tinto are making within their portfolio of, of assets are very much sort of moving. Um, towards, as you said, those ones that are promoting ESG. So uh, a bright future ahead for, for Rio Tinto. Now, Alan, moving on now, we're going to look at uh, one of the other companies in the FTSE 100 that has reported record profits uh, this morning, which shares are actually up 2.5% mm. at the moment. It's Barclays. What have they produced uh, over the last year, Alan, in terms of profits? Well, of course, it's been a torrid few years for, well, I say a few years, a torrid 10 years, I think, for the banks in the UK. We've had uh, we've had all the PPI scandals. We've had dark pool and liquidity scandals. And, um, and uh, you know, uh, particularly with the credit crunch, going back to the credit crunch, there were um, there were there the, were the issues over Barclays, uh, Barclay working with the um, with the uh, with um, uh, foreign investors to to basically uh, bolster its books. But nonetheless, the I think Barclays uh, versus Lloyd's or the other uh, retail banks um, offers another dimension to investors in regard to potential returns because um, the, the most of the groups. Uh, most of the group's uh, um, uh, uh, profits come from uh, its investment activities. It's the sixth largest global investment bank, um, and, and it's often overlooked because people tend to look at Barclays and think, well, it's just a, another high street bank. Its income, most of its income uh, comes from fees, commission and trading, um, and uh, its, its activities in the market. So it's hugely successful in that regard. And, of course, although there's a there's a, a, an investigation ongoing into some of the activities of the chief executive Jez Staley. He too is from a, an investment banking background, so he's very, very much steered the ship in that regard. And the shares of you know, I picked up shares when they were on their knees a few years ago, and I've traded Barclays shares on and off the years because um, you know I, I picked up some in the or just after the credit crunch um, and uh, saw the shares come back. It pays a dividend too, not spectacular, one and a half percent dividend. So you do get that, but I think the the real opportunities with Barclays are for capital gain, and I think the uh, the analysts have a have a a, a a net present value estimate on or a book value estimate on Barclays, 
at just on three pounds per share. So it's still trading at a discount to that. But to, you know, today we've seen uh, income up one percent to just under twenty-two billion, um, uh, and uh, a huge reduction in credit impairment charges for bad for for, uh, for bad loans. Uh, saw pre-tax profits uh, up seventy-five percent to eight and a half billion, nearly eight and a half billion. So it's paying a it's it's paying a full year dividend of four p. And also, uh, it, the, the company is, or Barclays, is continuing to buy back shares. It's buying back another 1 billion shares, um, uh, or, or 1 billion share, uh, uh, share buyback, in addition to the half billion now announced earlier in the year. Um, so, so the medium term chart targets for the group are unchanged. Um, it's looking for a return on tangible equity in excess of 10%. Um, and, uh, and, and going forward, I think uh, probably... As the as as uh, we we emerge from uh, we emerge from COVID, um, also if interest rates do do go up, it's going to make Barclays more a more attractive place to put your money. So that's another factor for investors to, to uh, consider. And of course, um, it will that will impact directly on the share price. So I think Barclays has always offered great value, particularly in the last few years. And once again, it's um, I remember talking to my old colleague Malcolm Stacey years ago, and he used to buy and sell Barclays shares. Um, he said you could almost set your watch by the by the, uh, the 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 charting action, and he'd jump in and jump out. He'd buy he'd buy low and sell high, and uh, and uh, make sure he picked up a dividend in the process. So uh, you know, I, I I too hold Barclays, and will continue to hold Barclays uh, for as long as. But certainly looking good value now. You did mention there, actually, which is quite interesting, and this is something that that I feel makes Barclays uh, different from other uh, UK banks, you know, such as Lloyd's, for example, in that they have a significant uh, contribution to their profits from the corporate and investment banking side of things, and that and that's played out very well for them, um, sort of going back to sort of the last couple of years, if you, if you look at the profitability. I mean, is that one factor by itself, Alan, for you making Barclays a standout bank uh, listed here in, in London? Or is there something else there that it's sort of, for you looking at them, makes them sort of stand apart from, sort of, for example, Lloyds and NatWest? Yeah, well, I, I, I think Barclays has always had this dimension to its investment proposition, and that that always attracted me. Um, I know... I know from uh, speaking to people who have Barclays accounts, I don't think the service for retail customers is anything like as good as the service w- with some other banks. But um, but regardless, if you're looking at, as, at Barclays as an investment, you know it's always that's always been the factor that I think has been the X factor in the in in Barclays um, attraction as, as an investment. Um, but I think I think going forward. Obviously, there are there's a ton of challenges out there. You've also got the challenge of banks to consider too. Um, but I think you know Barclays will react to that in its own good time because it it has made and continues to make such good money and profits from its investment banking activities. Indeed, and it's going to be very interesting to see tomorrow when Lloyd's report how their profitability compares to Barclays. Now we've obviously had NatWest. It's a bit of a soggy set of results uh, from them. So, you know, you tend to get a bit of a trend coming through uh, on, on banks. So it's been interesting to see Lloyd's reporting on Thursday of this uh, week and how they moved. I know that's a, an investor favourite. So 
Uh, moving on now, Alan, we're going to be discussing a company that we haven't spoke about on the podcast actually now for, for some time in, in, in Mosman uh, Oil and Gas. Uh, you know, this is a company looking at its shares this morning up around 15%. What's driving this gain today, Alan? Well, Mosman have uh, have a, a, a good a good business model, and uh, you know there are a number of these small oil and gas producers out there that, uh, with the current oil prices and gas prices being so high, are actually doing very well. Um, but they are they they operate very profitably. They're they're very canny in the way they operate the business. Mosman have a a portfolio of assets in uh, in Texas and. Um, in, in in a in a production update um, back uh, back at the the end of January, it uh, it provided uh, uh, well it, it it increased its um, production to seventeen thousand three hundred forty four barrel of oil barrels of oil equivalent up forty three percent on the previous uh, uh, on the previous uh, period. So that might not sound much, but it's a big jump. But uh, the the important thing is that. Um, it had undergone problems with uh, its Falcon asset, which uh, have now been resolved, um, and uh, production is now um, back up to uh, back up to 113 barrels per day equivalent. Um, Stanley project has been um, has been uh, de- developed, and uh, um, the other pro- uh, properties there, Livingstone, um, Livingstone continues to produce Greater Stanley and Winters. Have undergone um, a workover, and uh, the company today announced that um, the gas network construction that it had been building in Texas has been completed, and it will allow for the sale of gas from Winters to and Stanley Four. Um, and it, you know, again, the, the what the company does as it generates funds uh, from the sale of oil or gas from one of the assets that will be then ploughed back into bringing the the other assets or, or the or the dormant wells back up back into production again and that's what the company's done so um the production numbers for the current six months will be very interesting indeed because i think that could mark a sea change in terms of the the valuation of the company and uh, and also for the share price too i you know it, we could see um, exponential growth in the share price on the back of that um, but that's not all. So we've got these oil and gas assets that are producing and continuing to produce. And certainly the outlook for the oil price is very strong over this year. So um, if Mosman continues to develop, then I think we could see a valuation uh, well well ahead of where we currently are. But there's a, another dimension too. The company also has um, a gas asset in Australia, in the Amadeus Basin. And um, this is... Uh, this is um, the company's undergone um, uh, uh, exploration works. It's undergone uh, magnetic surveys, aeromag surveys there, um, and uh, uh, the 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 added the, the other factor is that uh, which um, makes this worth makes this noteworthy is that um, several other companies there are already un, um, uh, have already commenced exploration work um, at adjacent prospects. Uh, the Amadeus Basin is in the Northern Territories. Um, and is uh, and uh, it's it's prospective for helium, which of course is is a gas that uh, has numerous applications in medical, nuclear, and space technologies. There is um, uh, demand uh, well exceeds uh, current production levels, so prices have risen over the past few years, 
over uh, up over 100 times and australia is currently the world's leading producer so it's estimated um that there's some one and a half trillion cubic feet of um p50 unconventional gas with uh, with a potential nine percent helium content so that equates to 140 billion cubic feet of helium and certainly the the broker um uh looking at the potential valuation impact it could have on Mosman said that um, uh, you know if Amadeus uh, comes in with those sort of numbers, it could easily uh, treble treble the uh, current Muslim market cap, possibly more now with the um, with the updating production from Texas, um, and it's uh, it's um, it's attributed an, an an unrisked value to that to the Amadeus asset of one hundred and seventy two million dollars. So when you consider that against the the current market uh, capitalization, which currently sits at just over four million, I think there's a tremendous amount of upside on offer. We've seen a little perk up in the share price over over the past week, which uh, I think is uh, is probably on the back of the of the of the um, the uh, production uh, the gas the gas network production observers. There will no doubt be uh, noting the progress the company's made, but the real upside is going to come. You know, once we get these production numbers for the current period, the oil and gas production numbers, and of course progress with the helium assets, so an awful lot more to come this year, and I think it's going to be a very big, a very big year for Mosman. Yes, I mean particularly what what's interesting, of course, these companies um, that you're trading within the small cap uh, area are you know inherently more risky than. Uh, the, the companies we discussed at the beginning in Rio Tinto and Barclays, but you know, sort of looking at a company like Mosman with a market cap around four million, it's producing as well as exploring. You know, there's plenty of there uh, for investors to get their, their teeth stuck into if they want to have a look at this company. Because, you know, of course, explorers they might have to raise capital, uh, but you know, in a situation with Mosman, it's you know, obviously they're they're looking at you know a situation where they're generating uh, revenue from uh, from production that can support further activities. So. Certainly one for, for investors to have a look at there. Um, just to finish off now, Alan, we've got one company that, we, that we've uh, given a few updates on in recent months, but that the news is coming thick and fast from this company. It's Blencow Resources. What's the, the latest update from them? Well, it certainly is, Jonathan. Uh, so Blencow Resources, of course, we've spoken before about the company um, and uh, up to a few, uh, well, uh, up to yesterday, in fact, it was... Um, it was a company with a single asset, and that, of course, is the Orem Cross Graphite project, which uh, which has a huge potential. Um, the The company is currently undergoing a uh, uh, undergoing um, a, 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 a preliminary a, a PFS uh, a, a pre feasibility study on the asset, and um, having undergone a PEA, which uh, which attributes um, you know a very substantial number. I think it's over three hundred. Uh, 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 over three hundred million dollars to to the asset, um, but the even more even more significant is the fact that um, that uh, that uh, valuation comes from a very small area. In fact, less than one percent of the territory that uh, the Orem Cross Graphite project covers. So, um, if the company brings this on, brings this into production, um, and it uh, strikes takeoff agreements, it can then go. It can then continue exploring across the the territory, and uh, and uh, uh, probably will find uh, plenty of other um, uh, 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 graphite uh, resources 
uh, within 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 the territory. But uh, it was announced yesterday that the company had acquired um, an earning uh, or the right to earn into the um, Akelikongo nickel sulfide and copper project, um, which is located almost adjacent to the Orem Cross project. So in terms of um, a deployment of staff and assets, of course, it's all in the one place. It's very easy for the company to manage. But this is a, a project that's got considerable potential, previously owned by Rio Tinto, of course, we spoke about earlier, and ASX listed SEPA resources um, until May last year. They spent between them some $15 million developing the assets um, and undertook uh, 19,000 metres of diamond uh, and reverse circulation drilling at the at the asset so they they've discovered massive massive sulfides there on the property um and the the work that the company will undertake there uh, the company raised uh, several million pounds uh, earlier this year and and the there is sufficient funding in place for the company to uh, progress some um, uh, phase one work there so it it's it works very well strategically it's it's a very a strong asset it's got um, it's got good provenance um and it, it means that it's a it's a very as cameron pierce the chairman said it's a represents a very exciting and low-cost entry opportunity for blencow to add nickel um and copper to it, its its graphite project so the company is building and developing a a, a significant portfolio of battery metals and uh, certainly looks now with um with that existing spend um uh, uh, it, it means it means that uh, Blencow will have to spend just one and a half million dollars in deferred share consideration instead of using its cash that looks to me to be a very good deal indeed so congratulations to Cameron um, Cameron and Mike Ralston for for uh, getting that one uh, across the line so we're going to have a lot more news coming up in 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 the uh, next few months but uh, certainly the share price um, popped up to five uh, 5.6p yesterday uh, on the news it's come back down a bit uh, coming down a bit at the end of trading yesterday and uh, it's currently trading at 5p this morning and of course 5p was the level at which the company raised the couple of million uh, 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 recently so that's very much a flaw in the share price um but uh, uh, you know with the with those two assets now uh, within the company and the particularly the on cross graphite project uh, being as advanced as it is um we've got a very what i would say is a miserly market cap at just 7.6 million you know you've got uh, peer group assets trading on trading with market caps of 40 to 50 million dollars uh, uh, to $50 million in some cases so um the project is advancing well and i would have expected by now to see far more value attributed to blencow um given the fact that we're now on at pre-feasibility stage with the Orange cross graphite project so i still think there's great value in the company at this level um and it's unlikely unlikely to be at 5p for much longer Yes, I mean, as you outlined there, you know anything to do with the EV market, if they are able to solidify the you know the presence of resources there and sort of moving towards production, you know, very exciting times. Anyone involved in that, and of course, as we outlined there, um, you know, traditionally looking at graphite, Blencow now looking at nickel and copper, uh, potentially exciting times ahead for them. So, just to recap now of the equities that we discussed today. We started with looking at Rio Tinto, which, of course, has a ticker 
of RIO. It was then Barclays with the ticker of BARC. It was then Mosman Oil and Gas with the ticker of MOSN. And to finish off then was Blenkow Resources, which has a ticker of BRS. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast today. Thank you, John. So just as a reminder, I did mention at the beginning of the podcast, uh, anybody that missed uh, the UK Investor Magazine Metals and Mining Conference this week, the videos will be available on the UK Investor Magazine website very shortly, so do check those out. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player. The views presented by the hosts and guests of the UK Investor Magazine podcast are in no way investment advice. And please remember all investment involves risk.